welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. everybody and welcome to Punch It! Writing in Star Trek. My name is Charlene Schmidt and with me as always is Tristan Riddell and happy Thanksgiving to our U.S. listeners. That is right. If you are listening to this while you're traveling to your destination, we hope that you are having a safe journey. And for those of you who are staying at home, good for you. Good for you. Like (laughs) curl, curl up, like turn up the heat, wrap yourself in a blanket, maybe have some cocoa enjoy this holiday uh, while staying at home. That's my favorite type of holiday. And if you're working retail, I'm so sorry if you have to work. Go with God. It's uh, it's seriously like (laughs) just do whatever you need to do to get through the day. Just close your eyes and pretend like it's not happening. Put your fingers in your ears and just go la, 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 la when it gets to be too much. I've been there. It's a crazy time. You will find a way to see it through. All of that said, (laughs) we, I think, have a great show coming up because we have a character that we're going to tweak. We're going to rework him a little bit. We're going to give him some much-needed love. We've done this with other characters recently, and today our victim is going to be Malcolm Reed. Malcolm Reed, uh, yes, he is the security officer, the armory officer on Enterprise, the NX-01 Enterprise. So he's on the show, Star Trek Enterprise. And uh, he, yeah, it's just like, he's he's one of those characters (laughs) where... He's not a bad character. Like he's not no. he's not he's not annoying. He's not in your face. Like we like weeks ago we kind of reworked Neelix and a lot of people think Neelix is annoying and so we right. try to take away the the annoying aspects but with Reed he's just kind of a void. You know, he he's Right. In... That's the problem with him is yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just there. So what I'm wondering is where do we start with this because we don't have a whole lot to work off of. I feel like we have the blankest slate we could possibly have, I think, and make this guy into whatever we want. It it's really true. I think there was um there's this one section that I wanted to read from Memory Alpha to kind of help okay. people remember about his background because I'm sure that not many people remember this about his background because he's such just a walking void of <laughs> of, of 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 character development. But so Malcolm Reed was born on September 2nd, 2117, into an English family with a strong naval tradition. His grandfather was an ordnance officer in the Royal Navy, and his father and great-uncle, who died in the line of duty aboard the HMS Clement, had served as well. Reed wanted to serve aboard a seafaring vessel as a child, but his aquaphobia rendered him unable to follow in the footsteps of his family. And da-da-da-da-da, it says what he's allergic to, who cares, he was an Eagle Scout, had some... You know, he has a sister and, and an uncle, blah, 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 blah. So that's pretty much the main thing about his backstory. That's it. Like, he comes from a naval family, and uh, they wanted him to follow his footsteps, but he couldn't because of aquaphobia. And then that's it. That's Reed. That is him. And he likes to blow stuff up. And he came up with the Reed alert. That's the big thing that I remember from him. That, of course, then turned into red alert. Yes. Later on. Yes. It was a wink and a nod. That's a great retcon kind of thing that you could do with the prequel. I kind of wish they would have done a little more of that. And, and really, what else do we know about Malcolm Reed? Uh, he's a great tactician 
and he, he didn't have a great relationship pineapple. with his parents. <laughs> yeah, he was he had a distant relationship with his parents. And he was in Section 31. Oh, yes, the Section 31 stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's that whole thing. But you know what? I honestly, I don't care too much about Section 31. I don't really want us to go there too much with our tweaking. Yeah, it was it was one of those things that could have been interesting. But the thing is, we all we only saw him after the fact, you know, where he was just kind of drawn right. back into Section 31 and he pissed off Archer because he kind of had duality of loyalties and he wanted to get out of Section 31. And I'm sure that there, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm almost like 99% sure that there were some Section 31 novels featuring Malcolm. Oh, I imagine so. Our listeners will know. They know everything. They do. Our listeners are knowledgeable. They are Trekkies, by the way. So (laughs) today, as we go through, I feel like there's not much that we have to change, but really just kind of expand. We got to build. Maybe we take what little we have to give and then massively expand on this guy. He needs, I don't know, he needs some sort of personal life. He needs hobbies. Let's flesh him out. So... We talked about this and we were just like, who are we going to talk about? Who are we going to tweak? And like the top of our both of our lists, w- lists was Malcolm Reed. So <laughs> do you have anything off the top of your head where you're just like, you know what? I got to get this off my chest. Well, I think there's a couple of points of focus that immediately stand out that if we want to expand upon them and give him a more detailed backstory, I think we have potential for that. What I would say is the relationship he has with his family possibly entrenched in the long history and his aquaphobia, but also why are they so distant? Why are they so unfeeling, unloving? I mean, that, I think that comes through with Malcolm being so kind of standoffish with everybody on the crew mm-hmm. and how, I mean, wasn't it Hoshi who put together his birthday party and had a really tough time figuring out what he even likes? That's the thing is that there was an entire episode. Well, I mean, the B plot of an entire episode devoted to how little everybody knows about Malcolm Reed. Yeah, so getting into the psychology of that could be interesting, just the dynamics of that. And that certainly affected his personal life where we know that he's not had the greatest luck with the ladies because it's like he doesn't know how to love and have intimacy with people. Yeah, there's just, I think there was there was really only, I think, two times when we saw him even flirt with people in the entire <laughs> yeah. show. There was one where, like, we we see him flirt with an Andorian, and I swear there was one other time. I think he was flirting with one of the Makos, or oh, like, yeah. a, mm-hmm. and I and I think that's it. That is it. Like, and even when we, there was a there was a situation where the Enterprise is kind of separated from time, and there's two of them. Like, one is like a hundred years later or something like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like Malcolm looked up his his bio information on this future Enterprise. And he was, a, he was a bachelor for the rest of that time. And that's 100% okay. But that seemed to bum him out right. pretty hard. Yeah. And even, even in the episode Twilight in season three, uh, when we saw an alternate future where they lost the war with the Zindi, he was on the Enterprise and still was like had a goatee but was alone. And <laughs> it was just the same old dude doing the same old thing. It's just there's there was no character evolution. There was no relationships. There was no hobbies. There was just... Ugh. Yeah, just no development whatsoever. So maybe we need to explore either why he's got such stunted growth as a person mm-hmm. or try to make him grow. I feel like with the family, 
I don't know if there needs to be too much explanation as to why they're so distant because I feel like some families are just like that. Like they're mm. they're the they're the stereotypical stodgy British military family where they're just like, "You call me sir, damn it! Don't call me dad." You know, like yeah. that kind of. We've all seen it in movies and television and everything like that. And sure. You know, who knows how accurate the stereotype is? That's not the point, but it exists in our media, and. I feel like that's okay and like not following in, in father's footsteps. It's a it's a trope, but it's there for a reason. It kind of made me think of kind of the opposite of Tom Paris, where Tom wanted to go, wanted to serve in the Navy for Earth's Navy. But yeah. then his dad, who was an admiral, said like, no, you're going to join Starfleet. And so that's why he became a pilot in Starfleet. So it's kind of like the reverse Malcolm Reed. So let's talk about like just right off the bat, like Enterprise, the show, Broken Bow onward. Who yeah. is this Malcolm Reed? How do we <laughs> let's focus on his on his personality? Do we make him more outgoing? Do we make him more aggressive? Do we make him a jerk? Mm. You know what would be kind of interesting is maybe he starts off a little bit of of a jerk, kind of maybe snobby and standoffish. People can't really figure him out, but they just think he's kind of rude at times. Maybe we make him a little eccentric. I was I was kind of thinking that too. I was just like, what if we make him a genius? You know, like, okay, let's... we're thinking the same exact thing because the vision in my head that just popped up a moment ago was kind of like a almost a Steve Jobs type, like <laughs> so motivated by work and excellence and perfection that he knows people are not his strong suit and he makes things messy for himself. He screws up a lot. I see him kind of like a seven type character, seven of nine, where, you know, seven is standoffish, but she's brilliant. She gets the job done. All she cares about is work, not your feelings. And yeah. she's she's kind of a jerk because of that. And then like over time, she's of course softens and starts thinking about other people, but her genius doesn't go away. I feel like genius always comes at a cost. It always comes at a cost <laughs> yeah, if you look at our agreed. culture and our history. And so what if like that's the case here? Because you know, as time goes on within Star Trek, as we develop Star Trek and change Star Trek from as we go on to Kelvin, as we go on to Discovery and everything like that, everybody's a super genius. Everybody is the best yeah. at what they do. And there's no there's no uh, sacrifice. There's no no nothing. Like you have Chekhov, who's now a super genius. You have Kirk, who's now a super genius. You know, like in the Kelvin universe. And in Discovery, like they, they've tempered that a little bit from the Kelvin universe. But I feel like in this day and age, like in Enterprise, you have Hoshi, who is just freaking brilliant at what she does right like she can just quantify and calculate all of those languages all at once she's a human ut but yet she's <laughs> you know she's how she's she's outgoing she's lovable she's she's yeah. fun to hang around with reed i'd love to see the exact opposite of that sure sure okay so do we kind of make him that cranky and almost downright rude eccentric guy at first and then what i would love to see is people like poshi genuinely trying to get to know him and finding it extraordinarily difficult and calling him out on it. I feel like you're describing Stamets from Discovery. <laughs> you know what? You're right. I would want to go in a route where, and I'm pulling a little bit from my own personal history, not saying I'm a genius, far from it. <laughs> um, but in my own personal history, I, I used to be, still am to some extent, I used to be extremely arrogant because uh, oh. I knew what I was good at. And I was very confident and I would throw that in people's faces as I was working. And I have since tempered from that, thankfully. But at the same time, 
people who really knew me and who really valued me as a friend and would come up to me and say like, hey, just so you know, you were kind of a jackass in there. <laughs> you know, it'd be kind of fun is a, a couple, three, maybe four years down the line, having this kind of evolution happen with mm -hmm. Reed. And then we can look back on that guy we first originally saw and have that moment of, God, you know what, dude, you really were a jerk. Well, that's the thing is that like, but but like people would tell me like, say like, hey, you were kind of a jerk in that meeting. And I would be incredibly downtrodden. I'd be like, oh, crap. Damn it. Oh, I didn't, I don't want to be a jerk. I didn't mean to be a jerk in there. Mm, and yeah. that's, that's one thing that I would love to project on Reed where he can be, he's extremely confident. He can be extremely arrogant and he values the work and he can be off-putting sometimes, but he doesn't, he's not one of those guys who's proud of being an asshole. Okay, okay. So we're probably going to have a little bit of self-loathing, probably self-deprecating humor thrown in here a little bit. I don't see where you extrapolated that, but I think we can go in that direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, just when he catches himself screwing up, knowing that he's screwed oh, up, he's just, got oh, you. I've yes. done it again. It's like yeah. he's spinning his wheels. He can't learn his lesson on how to do it better next time. Yes, I, th I think that's a great way to do it because there's there are times when like I can forgive being a jerk if you try to change your ways and if you are trying to build off of it and recognize that, that that's what's happening. What I can't stand is people are like, yeah, I know I'm a jerk. Deal with it. I don't know. Knowing yeah, that no. you're a jerk does not give you a license to be a jerk. Yeah. And that's I would hate to see that with Malcolm. Yeah. So I, I have a feeling he might be a little apologetic. Like I'm so like maybe he says something crazy, not crazy, but just kind of maybe a little disrespectful or arrogant and just has to come back with its tail between his legs and say, look, I'm, I'm really sorry with how I acted in that meeting or what have you. And, just, right. and, and conversely, though, I do think the rest of the crew will learn, they'll kind of meet him halfway. They'll learn to trust him and his expertise. Whereas I don't know if they start out that way, they just they just think he's a freaking jerk who wants I don't know probably wants to micromanage everything in his department because he <laughs> thinks he knows best. Well, who does he think he is? It's funny if you think about Data in the Next Generation, he was often rude and off-putting, but because he didn't know any better and he was lovable, people would say like, "Oh, well, he's an android. He doesn't have an emotion." Right. Oh, that's just Data. That's just Data. I'm going to let this slide. But when you're dealing with a human who should know better. It's not lovable. It's not funny. It's not interesting. You're yeah. just like, oh, you're just being you're just being rude. You're being an ass, and so you immediately have dislike. And I think that was a big difference between Seven and Data, where sure. yeah, like if you look at how Bellana treated Seven, she expected more from Seven. Where if you look at Picard with Data, it's just like, well, it's his journey. He's developing. It's all right. Right. Even on a time scale, if you look at it, Seven had four-ish years to make her journey. Data got seven. And mm -hmm. they kind of, I mean, they both kind of reached a certain place where, yes, they had gotten a lot better. Right, right. And so with Malcolm, it, actually with Enterprise overall, Star Trek Enterprise, we never really got, did, well, I'm trying to think. I guess you could have said T'Pol would be like the Data character, but not really. Like we never no. really got a Data character. No, we really didn't. Not on Enterprise because, no, it's not T'Pol and there's really nobody else that fits that bill at all. No, so I feel like maybe 
Reed could because I feel like there's several times when we get that kind of character in a Star Trek show. Who is that odd person out? Who is that person who's trying to expand their own humanity or try different things or become different one, than what they are? Maybe we can make Reed that person where he's such a brilliant tactician and like you've said, and where he's just like he can he can look at a situation and come up with 15 different ways to achieve victory, but only if everybody does what he says. <laughs> Right, and sometimes right. you have to be gruff in order to get that to happen. Yeah, and he might not be the best at selling his vision either because he lacks the people skills. Yes, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot, yeah. Okay, this is going to be a cool evolution. It's the it's the human who has not necessarily been through any trauma or anything like that. He's just a genuine human being trying to be a better human being and is just doing his darndest to try and figure out how. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so that alone is an improvement for the Reed character. It gives him a better place in kind of the dynamic of the cast. And it gives him a reason, it gives us a reason to watch him other than just being the tactical officer yeah, or the armor officer or whatever you want to And you, you know what him. else? I think a lot of people, because of his demeanor, we're going to see the crew at odds with him a lot, I'm sure, to start off. We're probably not going to like him much to begin with either as an audience, wouldn't it be fun if as the years go on, we learn to like and respect him as he changes and grows? It's kind of how I feel with Stamets on Discovery is because when they first introduced him, and honestly, even in the first season, I'm just like, this guy is a jerk. Are they trying to make me feel like, do they want me to watch him? Do they want me to hate him? You know, like, what right. do they want me to do with his character? Because I still don't like him, but he has gotten better from the first episode. Right. And we've only got one season with him. Who knows what's going mm -hmm. to come next? We've got a lot more to learn about him. So I was right there with you, though. At first, I just thought, yeah, this is a megalomanic jerk. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I want to see that growth with Reed. So, okay, so we have his kind of personality traits and his goal established. Yeah. What kind of situations do we throw him along the way? Like, I feel like we, because we got such a, we got a lack of relationships with him. Do we throw in a relationship? Does he get into a relationship with someone on the ship? Is it a passing alien? You know, how does that how does that work out? Two ideas. In terms of friendship, Shuttle Pod 1, he and Trip have kind of their bonding moment. They get all drunk and they start actually expressing themselves and their real feelings because alcohol will do that for mm -hmm. you. <laughs> also, potentially dying might do that too. I would love to see even more of a relation, like a friendship forged between those two where maybe Trip kind of coaches him a little bit on maybe how to be a little better with the ladies or how to empathize, how to just even communicate as a human being a little bit, just try to help his his newfound buddy with his deficiencies. Meanwhile, they kind of did this on the show where they would often work together on like engineering type stuff. I would love it if they just had some sort of thing like uh, Miles and Julian where they get together and they, they have something that they do. Mm -hmm. Whether, I mean, I don't know what it might be. I would love for it to be more than just kind of tinkering with machinery because we know that they both love how to how things work. They're both mechanically inclined. Of course, they're spending a lot of time doing that, but in their off hours, what are they going to do together? That would be a fun thing to explore. But second of all, yes, I was thinking the same thing you were in terms of a relationship. I think we got to find somebody on the ship. I'm thinking it's a crew member who mm -hmm. 
is attracted to him, likes him, wants to pursue a relationship, and maybe he's interested too, but he's holding back and probably does all the wrong things and screws things up. Let's see them really have a messy, horrific, but maybe in the end, not a bad relationship where they've probably gone through enough things to where they can bond. I would love to see him go through a relationship where he finds a woman who's incredibly outgoing, like super outgoing, life of the party. And <laughs> how, like maybe she's experiencing some of the exact opposite of what he is. Now, I'm not like, so stay with me here. Okay. Um, so she is outgoing, life of the party. Everybody loves her. And she sees him and is just falls immediately in love with his mind where she's tired of dating the grunts. She promised herself that she was never going to have another relationship with another military man because she got those stereotypical military men who were closed off and and just who were not the most intelligent people. Again, I'm talking about stereotypes here that we see in television. <laughs> and and so she goes towards Reed and like maybe that's in a that's in a thing where she's just like, listen, like I I don't I'm not going towards any more you know, any any more military guys or people are just interested in blowing things up and he's just, and she finds out that he's different, kind of shy and, you know, like socially inept and she helps bring him out of his shell and maybe we see that she is too outgoing, too crazy on the job <laughs> where she doesn't show up to work on time. She's more interested Ooh. in having a good time than actually doing her job. And how okay. she went up an enterprise would be anybody's guess. But maybe they help balance each other out. Because I hate that yeah. storyline of, oh, you're shy, you're an introvert, you need to be an extrovert, and here's how. And then that's the end of it. It's okay to be an introvert. It's okay to be shy. Right. But not to the point where it's debilitating in your life. And so maybe we can show those two extremes and they find some balance. But to add in a little trauma, I think that she either, she needs to be i think she needs to leave like i think she needs to get reassigned or maybe the war happens and they like send her off or i don't know like something happens mm. where they start to get serious but then that gets and then cut she gets off. pulled away oh yeah. heartbreaking i like it one thought what if she's a mako oh i like that because then she's just like i don't like i'm a mako i'm kind of like a military person i don't date other military people Right, that kind of thing. right. She can go with that shtick. And then that might also explain why she has to get pulled away for some assignment or what have you. Yeah, yeah. And and why he can't go with. And so that makes some sense. And I'm liking where this is going because it's going to be really good for him. And it's also going to be really messy. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch them struggle through it. Right. Those dates are going to be really fun and hilarious at the same time. <laughs> And also incredibly awkward and at times difficult to watch. Sort of like, uh, you know, in the earlier days of The Office where you've got just the really uncomfortable comedy. <laughs> yes. Like so, that. And what if she goes to... I love how we're creating this new character. She goes to... Um, <laughs> Instead of Reed, but she's a companion to Reed. She leaves to go to Columbia with Trip. Oh. And Trip, okay. And Trip comes back. But she doesn't. Ouch. Is that the end of their relationship? I think so. Oh. Oh, and we're going to be rooting for them so hard because I'm sure we're going to be shipping them. But maybe he used her as a crutch where she was the excuse and the reason why he would be outgoing and, you know, socialize with other people. And now he, mm. 
and so now his his friends are just like, hey, come out, and he doesn't have what's her name, whatever she is. Yeah. And uh, and so he has to get over that. The aftermath is going to be difficult on him. So maybe we start to see the old Malcolm pop up after she's gone, and so he has to find that newfound balance without her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And maybe Trip steps in, calls him out on it, like you're isolating a lot. You okay? Yeah, I would love to see that because like he's some sort of weird connection to this woman because they went over to Columbia together. Maybe it's like, maybe that way they would change the trip storyline a little bit so he wasn't so isolated on Columbia and so they can play off of each other. Yeah, again, we're we're creating this brand new character who's going to have a lot of screen time. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) But the thing is though, is that the the only relationships on the ship that we had, like romantic relationships on the ship was with Trip and to Paul, that's it. That's all we had on Enterprise, right? Pretty much. I mean, there was the kind of intermittent romance between Archer and the captain of the Columbia, but but that's only when she showed up. Yeah, and like it wasn't, it wasn't like yeah, exactly. It wasn't like a. We had some romance with passing aliens, some people with the guest of the week, but yeah, you know, like on nothing lasting though. Nothing lasting, and so I would love to see another relationship that was lasting on the show. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, and Reed's kind of the perfect candidate for that just because he is such a blank slate. But also, mm-hmm. personality-wise, this is going to push him in ways that he needs to be pushed. Right. So then, does this change certain things, though? Like, at the very top of the show, we brought up how, in kind of alternate timelines, he was this forever bachelor. I mean, maybe in one instance, that stays the same, and he's really, really sad about that. Is that a wake-up call? Yeah, maybe that's maybe that happens during the relationship where like it, it can add a little dynamic to the future enterprise as well as uh Twilight. Well actually let's just stick with the future enterprise. I can't remember what it's called. Was um, it E squared? Yes, that's what is that's what it was. E squared. So it was the let's stick so, so with E squared, he looks it up even though she tells him not to. Yeah. And he finds out that they're not together anymore. And she actually gets together with somebody else. Ouch. And and so he knows that this relationship isn't going to work out. Oh, ooh, 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 okay. So he knows that this, this relationship isn't going to work out, but he doesn't tell her. And uh-huh. that's why he kind of pushes her to go towards Columbia because he knows that it's not going to work out. A little bit of uh, sabotage, self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, yeah, a little self yeah. Does he end up telling her? I don't think so. I think that's gotta be painful for him to digest that. I think she like is debating whether or not to go to Columbia, and she says, "Well, like, well, if you see a future for us, then maybe I'll stay." And then he tells her to go. And he tells her to go, and so we all know the reason why. Uh huh. But but she doesn't. She doesn't. So she just thinks that he doesn't really love her. Right. Oh, ouch, ouch, ouch. But you know what? That's good storytelling. That is good television right there. That's what that mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like this. As much as I'm going <laughs> to hate it, I'm going to love it. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's one of those things where you're just like, oh, the pain, it feels so good. Mm, exactly. It is going to hurt so good. Now, I think we've got good framework for the character's evolution throughout the series. He's got a relationship now. We've got another character on the show. <laughs> uh <laughs> Do we want to go into a little more of just more superficial things? Like, do we want to give him a hobby? Do we want to give him more just kind of like a little list of 
his favorite things, anything kind of like that? Uh, I would love to see him be a health nut. That would fall in line. I've, I would love to see him where he goes crazy with it, where like he looks at his machines, he looks at his weapons, and it needs to, all of his weapons need to be maintained, and he's, he's constantly fine-tuning them and figuring out the best way to use them and to make sure that they're operating in peak efficiency. So why wouldn't he do that with his own body? So I would love to right. see him work out all the time, only intake the best stuff, and like measure everything and like go to the the replicator actually no this was before a replicator and so like he would he would have to just only take certain abouts and where they're just like oh do you want this last bit of pie no i can only have three today like like three <sighs> bites like that kind of thing yeah yeah do you suppose this becomes almost a compulsive behavior and again that's another kind of eccentric trait does he do this to a fault that's a good place to go but at the same time we're giving him so many other traits that could yeah. be seen as a fault that we're just like let's just let them have this one like maybe okay, it's just okay. a little bit more annoying than it is detrimental we're like okay. maybe they're they're on like a planet and they're stranded and they see him and he's doing pull-ups on a tree limb and they're just like good <laughs> lord we're gonna die here please he don't stop just, just stop working out <laughs> all right we'll give him this one but i did want to bring up the question just because that can become an obsession so easily with the right kind of personality, he's got the right kind of personality for it. Oh, absolutely. It's it's funny how easy it happens too, because my wife, she just joined Orange Theory. And like oh, some yeah, people yeah. know what Orange Theory is, some people don't, but it's like a, it's guided hardcore workout where for like an hour, they work you so hard in that one hour, it's basically like three hours of workout time. And my wife is taking it very seriously. And she was never that big at working out beforehand. But now that she's done it, she's just like, boom, this is this is what I'm doing. <laughs> and it's so easy to fall into that. It's kind of the point where I wish I would fall into it. But no, I like chips and pizza too much. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she and Malcolm, they can work their little hearts out. <laughs> so, okay, I think... Like, I think this is this is good. I feel like we have time for maybe, like, this is a shorter episode, but I feel like we yeah. have time for maybe one more thing that we can change. So he's he's a genius tactician, and it sometimes sacrifices his social ability. He has a relationship with someone who's an extrovert and helps take him out of his shell, and he helps bring her some much-needed grounding. And he is a workout nut, uh, you know, obsessed with fitness, but not to a crazy degree where he's off-putting. So... Does he ever want to uh, have his own command? Does he, does he, yeah, maybe he, he sees want? Archer as a mentor. Maybe we could have some, like Archer, maybe we could have more relationships where Archer and Reed have much more of a relationship because they didn't in the show. Yeah. And so Reed hmm. is like, I want to go to command. Like I want to, like, I love my, I love this crew and I love my, my weapons, but I want to be able to lead someday and archer's like i don't think that's the best idea because you have to work with a lot of people yeah let's explore that for a second i, I think for archer if reed approaches him on this it's going to feel like it came out of nowhere to archer mm -hmm. and he's going to have kind of an are you kidding me kind of attitude but it would be kind of fun just to see like maybe archer will humor him and say sure i'll mentor you a little bit and the thing is, is that's going to be another thing that Reed has to really overcome. If he is going to ever be a successful captain, he knows he needs to be able to reach out and interact with a lot of different people. 
So this is yeah. again falling in line with this evolution that we're giving him. And poor Archer, he's going to have his work cut out for him. <laughs> but I could see it happening. I could see it happening where it's kind of like Nog going to Cisco, saying, "I want to yeah. join Starfleet." Seems really unlikely at first. Like this is yeah. not going to work. But then he really shows up and puts in the work and and does it. But okay, the weird thing about it though is I really don't see Reed actually becoming the captain of a starship. No, I don't either. So I'm not sure if life just takes him in other directions and that's what he flies with or if he tries and fails. I would love to see him try and fail because we don't get a lot of that in Star Trek. We don't get a lot of people like with Tully in Discovery. I keep going back to Discovery, but like Tully in (laughs) Discovery, like she's going to be in a management program. Like she's in a command track now Uh and that's going to be really interesting to see. And they could have her fail. They might not. I don't think they're going to have her fail because she's a fan favorite. Yeah, Um, probably not. But I would love to see, like, just how we didn't see Nog fail, even though we saw him almost fail several times. Well, he got disabled in the end. Right. Like, he, he had a disability, and but he, he still persevered. I would like to see Reed try and fail. I would love to see him go, you know what? That's okay. I would love to see him not get devastated by it. I would love to see him say, like, I tried it. It didn't work. Maybe I'll try it again later. Maybe I won't. But yeah. the the most important thing is, is that I gave it my all and thank you, Archer, for everything. And I would love to see that. If we had like our 10 years in the future with these are the voyages, seeing Malcolm potentially auditioning to become the next captain of the NX-01 or something. And that's ultimately what happens is he fails. It ties into that Picard quote where you can give your best, you can give your all and you can still fail. The universe is not fair. That's not verbatim. That's just paraphrasing. But that's the general idea. And I think our culture really does not value the what you can learn from failure. It's always right. you must succeed. That's how you prove your worth as a person. No, you can learn so much from failure. And so this would be a good message to put out there. Because the best people, the most successful people do fail. We all have our failures. We have to go through that in order to get better. There you go. Yeah. Folks, that is our take on Malcolm Reed. Hopefully you liked it. Uh, Let us know what you think. Uh, Did we go too crazy in certain aspects? Did we change him too much? Did we not change him enough? What you can do is you can uh, talk to us by going to thenerdparty.com slash contact, select punch it from the drop-down menu, fill out the form, it'll send us an email. You can also find us on social media just by going to thenerdparty.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're all over the place. You can find me personally on Twitter at the Insane Robin. And you can find me at Oh the Profanity. Next week is going to be a heck of a lot of fun. We're not going to tell you what we're going to do, but what we do, you can be sure that we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.